This is How We See It, a look at issues that impact our faith and community. For the next few minutes, we'll explore topics with people who are making a difference in our world. Welcome to this edition of How We See It. I'm John Morris. The church needs healing and the world needs Jesus. So says the National Eucharistic Revival webpage. And before we jump into our guest today, I want to read you some statistics. 31% of Catholics know and believe in the Eucharist. 39% of Catholics attend weekly Mass, just 39%. There's been a decrease of 10,776 priests since 2000, and over 12 million people have contemplated suicide. There is a crisis in our world, in our country, and the Catholic Church wants to reverse that. Today's guest is Father Craig Vasek, a priest in the Diocese of Crookston, Minnesota, and a member of the executive team from the National Eucharistic Revival, serving on the Evangelization and Catechesis Committee. That's a mouthful. Father Craig, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure to be with you, John. Tell me about this National Eucharistic Revival. Where did, what was the genesis behind that? Yeah, the genesis uh, of all things that are of God starts in the heart of God. But uh, with regard to the United States bishops, they were seeing a number of things happening. There was these, these studies done that indicated a very small percentage of Catholics believing or practicing according to what the Catholic Church would ask of them. It was very troubling for the bishops and those who were paying attention to that. And then, um, so they were already talking about things at that point. And then COVID happened, and churches were shut down for a time, and people were distanced from their parish communities. And so that was an even further identification that something needs to be done to welcome people back to church, the importance of worshiping together uh, as community, as Christ has formed the body of Christ. So there was a whole lot of things coming together, disturbing results of polls, uh, seeming lack of faith among the faithful, and then COVID. Yeah. We've seen this decline in attendance. They're saying churches in Europe are like museums these days. Even in your diocese, I believe you guys are splitting pastors with two or three parishes. Is that right? Yeah, I would say most dioceses are doing that because you have some of it is simply demographic. I don't think we need to go into all of it. Some right. of it is demographic in that the, some people have moved from small parishes, small towns, rural areas to bigger cities or whatever things might be. And so sometimes churches that are built to be longevity pieces uh, just aren't in the right spot anymore. So it's not all about decline of people. In fact, in a lot of places, there's more Catholics. Churches are in the wrong spot. <laughs> sure, sure. They were they were there. They were great sixty years ago, but um, yeah. but today uh, the movement of people has changed. We talked a little bit about the decline in attendance and you know the need to get people back. But when we have these things, you know, some people in the pews they're a little skeptical. They might say, "Oh, here's just another program the bishop is rolling out there." What's the intended fruit of this event of this this movement this revival? Yeah, so it's, it's especially not a program, and I think people can get caught, hung up on words, but it's, it's precisely not a program in that we are begging the Holy Spirit to, to be poured out upon the nation. When Jesus is with his apostles, he says that he's going to send the promise of the Father upon them. They're supposed to go pray. They go to the upper room, they're praying, and the Holy Spirit comes down, and that's the beginning of the Church's mission, to be sent out in the fire of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're doing. We're praying and begging the Holy Spirit to be poured out. The Church has been calling for a new Pentecost, and so we're asking that God would 
would work a new Pentecost in the United States of America, that every person who believes in Jesus would be filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit and be sent on mission. And so that's not a program. That's just that's just God's idea for His church. And so we're praying for that that revival would break out in all these across the country. That individuals would just be filled with the Spirit, and that they would say, "I need to do something. What should I do?" And then start to be yoked to the parish or yoked to the diocese to the mission of the church and plug themselves in for revival of the love of Jesus, of the power of His Holy Spirit. In particular, how He has said that he wants to stay with us and remain with us until the end of time. In Matthew 28, he says, I'm going to be with you to the end of time. Well, how has he remained with us? He doesn't only remain from heaven on his throne. He remains, Catholics believe, in the Holy Eucharist. Truly, he's there, like living there. And so this is where we're focusing is, like, we want to push people to him uh, in whatever way that can happen. So we are intentionally not producing a program. We are intentionally saying... People pray, get on your knees, ask the Holy Spirit, beg the Holy Spirit to come and to initiate revival wherever you are, that there would be a fire inside of you to do something. And so people might turn to us and say, well, what are we supposed to do? And we would say as an executive team, we're not going to tell you what to do. What is Jesus doing in your heart as he's lifting this up inside of you? So the fruit is that the, the, the Holy Spirit would be poured out. The fruit would be that people fall in love with Jesus in a more fervent way than we have been in the past, and that this nation is ever more manifestly following the Lordship of Jesus and converting uh, the rest of the nation to Him. To be converted, you have to have some educational, some rock, some foundation to stand on, because uh, you and I both know that a lot of things in the Church are mysteries. The Trinity, uh, the Eucharist, I mean, he's, Jesus said it, this is my body, this is my blood, that shouldn't be a ministry but people these days, they want to, they've got to see something to believe. They want to, you know, if the ground could shake, you know, at, a, at the breaking of the bread, that, that would force them to believe or at least intend that way. That's not the case. It comes by faith and a belief. So how do we get people to have that conversion of heart? Yeah, so the, the, the remedy is manifold and we can't, because everybody is in a particular place. And so the way by which the Lord is going to reach them is going to be different. You know, but you make a great example. The earth could shake, and, and then people would say, then they'd have to believe, but that doesn't work that way. That's exactly what happened at the cross. As Jesus was being crucified, the earth did quake, and the temple veil was torn. Right. And the chief high priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Roman, the Romans, and the people of uh, Jerusalem, not everybody that day became a believer in the work of Jesus Christ. Faith does not come by these manifestations that then force us. Faith comes by grace mysteriously growing in us from God. So it's gonna it's manifold. I mean, some people need need to hear a convincing argument. Great. Some people need to be ministered to by someone with compassion. Yes. Some people need to be invited and feel like someone cares about them. Absolutely. Some person needs someone to speak into their life and say, I know you're going through a tough time. How can I walk with you? And then that person says they were the light in my darkness, and I've come back, and God has answered my prayer. God, The people are crying out to God in manifold ways, and so God is going to reach them in manifold ways as well. But the way, the, the secure way that we can help with this from the executive team and for those who are ready to go is, hey, if you already believe 
if God has already brought you to the place of faith, then you've got to do something about it to get other people convinced of it. And it's not one size fits all, but it's like, what can I do and start to do what I can do? Because there's so many people who have, who do believe, but then they're, they're st- sticking their faith under a bushel basket. You know, we hit, see this in Matthew's gospel, uh, and we're sticking our faith under a bushel basket rather than going to the top of the mountain and crying out for the conversion of the country. So it's, it is a whole host of different things that need to happen, but for sure there are people who it's already happening in them, and we want to encourage them to go out. Speaking of going out, you know, the Holy Father tells us to go out to the peripheries and bring in those people that are, are on the edges that, you know, and some of them might come to church. They just don't, they haven't had that spirit of heart to move them. They want to, but they haven't, they haven't made the jump, or people just maybe haven't been back to church in 40 years and are waiting for the right time. How do we draw them back? How do we get them more engaged? Yeah, so we're, we're working through these questions from our end. I mean, and there's lots of good resources out there that help people because if I want to talk to my family, that might be different than the way that I'm going to talk to a, a parish member. That might be different than the way I'm going to talk to a coworker. That might be different than the way I'm talking to a person who is of a different faith background or a person who is of no faith background or used to be of a faith background and is no longer of a faith background. And so uh, I found this is not this is not something strategically that we're up to, but just in my own life personally, that when I encounter someone and I try to convince them of where my mind is at, that that rarely works. But if I can come to a person and begin to listen deeply to not only what they're saying, but like what they're trying to say, what what the deepest thing in them is, and then begin to speak with them at the level where they actually find their need, then it's that person will present what their need is. They will present where the block is. They will present where uh, the next step might be in my conversation. It takes deeper listening and deeper attendance to the to the mystery of the other as they reveal themselves and then to be able to speak there because as an example, let's say a person sitting in the pew, I think they're totally locked in and they're going to Mass every Sunday. I'm like, dude, isn't this awesome that this homily talks about this part of our doctrine and the person's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm <laughs> And I'm missing them because I'm sharing something of my devotion, but I don't even know where they're at. It it behooves me to find out where they're at (laughs) and then to begin to speak into that part of their life. So I know that's not a good answer to your question because it's it's so mysterious and and personal, but I really think that's where it's at. This is a a three-year game plan, I'll call it. First year at the local parish level, second year at the diocesan level, and third year nationally, a big event being planned in Indianapolis. Hopefully 80,000 people will be in attendance from all over the country. Have many, have the reports come back to you that local parishes are engaging or are some still kind of figuring out what their game plan is? Yeah, so actually, uh, I'll just rework kind of the timeline a little bit. The first year, we're, we're calling a diocesan year. Okay. Uh, and so what we're doing is we're reaching out to bishops, diocesan uh, leadership, uh, probably some priests, and you know various people that, that are at the service of the diocese in a kind of a, an official way, we could say, quote-unquote. And we reach out to them to help them kind of formulate their own plan for the revival so that they can kind of get their head around, like, what is the Lord doing in our local place so that we we have to be at the service of our parishes one else? So that's what we're doing in the first year. We're getting a lot of buy-in from diocese bishops, leaders, and we're, we're engaging them and equipping them in various ways. And then it'll be in that second year now that the, hopefully that the diocesan offices have wrapped their mind around, like, what does the Lord want to be doing here with regard to loving Jesus and loving him in the provisions that he has given us through the sacraments, and particularly the Blessed Sacrament of the Altar, the Holy Eucharist. 
Then in that second year would be the parish year, 23 to 24, uh, the year of parish revival where those dioceses are helping their parishes to, to launch. And we're getting lots of requests already for the parish year, uh, which begins next June. Speakers preachers and various people to host events and whatnot. If you go to EucharisticRevival.org, you'll see there's events all over the country, the congresses and conferences and retreats and, and different things that are happening. We're only hosting some of them, the ones that we find out about. Mm-hmm. So there's things happening. And then in that, that uh, third year, uh, which is not going to be the last year, it's really the, it's the last of the first three years of revival. Our hope is that this revival pushes out 20, 30, 50 years for the renewal of life in the, in the American church. Right. Sure. And so that, uh, that third year, 24 to 25 will be, uh, Two things. One, there will be a national event for uh, 80 to 100,000 people to gather in Indianapolis, maybe even more than that, we hope. And with that, there's going to be a kind of, there's the national element, but then there's the most absolutely individual level you could imagine, because we're going to, we want to be that a missionary sending year where people who have been engaging with their diocese, engaging with their parishes, uh, com- coming into a deeper fire of love with Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, and they want to share that with the world, that we will equip them as individuals or part of teams to go out now to the rest of the country, to go out and to repropose that Jesus is Lord in the Holy Eucharist or to introduce people to the first, for the first time of what the Catholic Church teaches about Jesus' Eucharistic presence, or whatever that might look like wherever they are, in a nursing home, in a, in a household, in a business, in a parish, on the streets of a city. It doesn't matter where that they would go out and reach people, and there'd be creative initiatives that flow from this. We're already hearing of very, very beautiful initiatives that people are uh, implementing in, in plazas and squares and streets uh, around the country to invite people in a bold and courageous way to experience the Lordship of Jesus and His presence in the Blessed Sacrament of the Altar. So it's, it's very encouraging. We hope that three years of fire starting and then watch it watch it blow up over the next couple decades. Amen. So if, if someone listening wants to find out more about this National Eucharistic Revival, maybe it's coming to their, their diocese, uh, how do they find out more? EucharisticRevival.org is our major website. Uh, we're on all the social media as well. But in particular way, we have a weekly newsletter that we send out to anybody who wants to subscribe to that. So you can, on EucharisticRevival.org, you can find the Heart of the Revival newsletter. And then every single week, you'll be hearing about what's going around around the country and how to get involved as we, as we lead through these next number of years. So EucharisticRevival.org is the website. And then Heart of the Revival newsletter, you'll find that at that website to stay in weekly touch. Father Craig Vasick, a priest of the Diocese of Crookston, Minnesota, and a member of the executive team for the National Eucharistic Revival, has been our guest today, and that's how we see it. You're listening to How We See It, a look at issues and ministries that are having an impact in our community and world. If you missed any of today's program, you'll find a copy on Spirit FM's SoundCloud page. There's a link to it at myspiritfm.com. Now, back to our program. 